Welcome to the Fanatical Elves Show, part of the Elves Network. We are a bunch of wild and crazy Cleveland Browns fans, bringing you all the latest in Browns news. Tune in now. Welcome, everybody, this evening to our Brown Schedule Breakdown Show. We are the Fanatical Elves Network, and we are here to break down tonight's, or what happened earlier this week, the Browns released their schedule, and I am happy to welcome our contributors to the Fanatical Elves Network once again. Plus, I'm coming to you live, or this is a recording, but I'm coming to you from my new, my new laptop, so hopefully you guys can all hear me well. Trying to get my mic to work earlier. It wasn't working very well. Um, it is working now. Thanks, Steve. That that was that that was good. I think Elliot is still on mute because he's printing something in the background. We got Joel who just showed up. Joel, the left guard. Uh, we appreciate you coming in. We actually just you know we we were waiting for the left guard to show up and magically he did right as we were starting the show. So welcome. How is everybody? Doing well. Doing great. Excited. Let's go. Very. Elliot's still on mute. <laughs> because he's, he, if you can watch us on the YouTube. <laughs> there you go, folks. If you're watching on YouTube, you can uh, see all the a- animation Elliot is is uh, sharing right now. We we have a great group of guys here that are contributing every, every week, all the time. They are sports writers. They're blog writers. They uh, love the Browns just like you, and uh, we just are, are happy here to be here tonight and talking to you about the Browns' schedule, which came out Thursday night, you know, all the anticipation. We already knew kind of who the, the teams were the Browns are going to play, but now we know, like, when they're going to play them. And so um, before we get into the schedule, and we talked about this a little bit off air, and Joel, we're just filling you in right now, but... You know, there's a little bit of breaking news last late last night that caught a little few people off guard. <laughs> Zardavius Smith was traded to the Browns, a what eight-year, ten-year uh, veteran who last year played for the Vikings, previously played for the Green Bay, played for the Baltimore Ravens, was actually a fourth-round pick of the Ravens. Uh, went to Green Bay, had a couple good years in, with Baltimore, then went to Green Bay, had a stellar career an outstanding edge rusher, linebacker, and he has just added another layer to this defense that's really getting good on paper pretty quick. So I wanted to go just go around the room, welcome you guys, and get your initial takes. I know mine was a little bit of like, oh, okay, wow. So, uh, Steve, let's start with you. How are you doing down there in Nashville? Doing great. Down here in the land of just a football logo. Woo-hoo. But anyway. That was the best, man. That, that I mean, social media. I know Joel want, maybe wants to talk about some of those social media groups. But, man, your Tennessee Titans, they, they, that was pretty, pretty impressive. 
Yeah, it was impressive, and that's the reason I don't go downtown. But anyway, uh, excellent move by the GM Ninja, as I call him, the silent assassin, Andrew Barry, uh, three-time Pro Bowler, uh, 10 sacks, 80 pressures last year, uh, which if you take out Miles Garrett's pressures from the team, uh, Zadarius Smith would have more than half of the rest of the team in pressures. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, going to be 31 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. He is he is a stud. He is going to make Miles Garrett a lot better. This defensive line, I am so happy with this move. I have this. Ah, oh, Andrew Barry, you're phenomenal. Uh, let's go up to, or let's go down to uh, Elliot Village. Elliot, how are you this evening? And has oh, your printer stopped? Printing? Thank you very much. Um, I, I really would like to um, echo Steve's comments. Uh, on the other hand, it's a double-edged sword because it's not just about how good Zadarius Smith is; it's how bad the defensive line was last season. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was basically Miles Garrett being double teamed and the rest of the guys standing around getting beat up by the offensive line of the opponents. Uh, The Browns did not have any threats to bother the opposing passer much at all. So that's how you beat the Browns. You double team Miles Garrett and let the other guys do whatever they want to the Browns' defensive line, and they were pretty much helpless. And so the Browns have added uh, very significant uh, uh, help uh, on the defensive line with uh, very credible professional linemen. And, um, uh, you know, we've got uh, two guys that have gone to recent Pro Bowls. Mm -hmm. and um, Yeah, Smith went last year with uh, with, uh, the Vikings. Uh, with yeah. the Vikings, yeah. He's gone yeah, three now. times, and he went yeah. once with the Vikings last year. Yeah, he did tail off at the second half of the season. I would like to comment about uh, his uh, injury history. You know, he had a knee contusion, right. uh, which limited him to, uh, I think, one and a half sacks on the second half of the season. Now, yeah. what, you may ask, is a knee contusion. What that means is that he had basically a deep bruise of the knee uh, uh-huh. That is not something that would be expected to linger, I think, from one season. It to does the linger next. for a 53-year-old like me, but that's okay. But we'll we'll, we'll move on. Yeah. You're not rushing a quarterback. It is, it is something that an athlete would be expected to be able to recover from fully. And so I think that it is a, a good gamble. Now, 31 years old is something that you don't recover from. And I think that the it's Browns a one-year are, deal. Browns are right. wise to have more than one uh, body that can rush the passer. Uh, I think that they have built a stable of pass rushers that they can afford to give, uh, you know, uh, rest to their defensive linemen, and they like right. that. It's not like the offensive line where those guys love to play every down. And uh, so I think you know they are, they are a threat on defense now. It's not. Yeah. It's not your father's Cleveland Browns. These are uh, different people on defense this season, and it is going to make a very large difference. And you, and you have Jim Schwartz, who's an outstanding defensive coordinator, has 
a, a real positive uh, reputation across the NFL for years, getting this group of guys now to help mold them. It'll be really interesting to see what all goes on over the next several months. Joel, welcome. How, do- How are you? I like your orange brown shirt tonight. Yeah, I'm pimping that out. Thought I'd also go with the Peyton Manning forehead today. Oh, okay, cool. Instead of wearing the hat. <laughs> yeah, that's what was different. I was, I was trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah, you know, I decided I'm, to show the, the... Well, I'm used to having my, my, my headset on, and, you know, I'm using this this, this brand new spiffy, you know, new new laptop with all these, you know, um, speakers and stuff, but... We'll figure out how to use my 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 uh, bumblebee microphone. But back to the uh, this whole signing of Smith in the trade. What do you think, Joel? Well, I want to I want to interject something about Elliot for a second. All right, I realized this the other night. I was thinking about Elliot. I was listening to our podcast trying to see what I could do better, and I realized that yeah, you ever see those Dos Equis commercials, the beer, yes, with the most interesting man in the world. I'm telling you, that yes. is Elliot. Elliot is the most interesting man in the world. Like, I want to stop right there and, and mention, you mentioned this the other night. Like, you dated a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader? No, the Cincinnati oh, no. Bengals cheerleader. Yeah, Bengals cheerleader. Cheerleaders. I mean, there are limits to what even I can do. <laughs> You're a Elliot, rocket scientist, though, Elliot. Elliot is the most interesting man in the world. They, they totally missed the right man on those Dosa Keys commercials. <laughs> Every time I see those commercials again, I'm just gonna have I'm gonna have this like, image of Elliot. This is Elliot. Elliot is the most yeah. interesting man in the world. No, that's true. I did get dumped by a Cincinnati Bengals cheerleader. That is a true story. That's fantastic. What was her name? Should we? Can, can we ask what, what her name? <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember her name. But... Candy, Tiffany. Come on now. Something like that. No, I I honestly, I don't remember. Um, But uh, wow, that's even better. (laughs) I'm telling you. It was one and done. I'm telling you guys, Elliot is the most interesting man in the world, and you need to let him just. I would agree. Be like, don't be like me on a podcast and talk over him. I sincerely apologize (laughs) when I talk over you, Elliot. Yeah, I, I'm I, taught another, I taught another Cincinnati Bengals cheerleader how to swing dance. I can say that, too. It just doesn't you, stop. You what? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I was, I was in a, um, a church group that we used to swing dance all the time, and there was a bunch of Cincinnati <laughs> cheerleaders that were visiting the same establishment. Yes. And uh, they saw us... Uh, swing dancing is oh that's really neat can you teach us how to do that and I said, yeah i can teach you and so i did and they this is going to be a we're going to have to bring you back la just to just to cover this topic it sounds like there's layers to this well um, you know this, this was in the chapter this was one in the, yeah let me in my by the way i'm going to get a lot of hate mail for this so why didn't you do it with the cleveland browns cheerleaders well there was two reasons for that one is that cleveland browns <laughs> Don't have any cheerleaders. <laughs> number one, and then number two, this was in the period when the Cleveland Browns were not playing football. And then number three is we were in the, uh, you know, I live in Dayton, which is closer to Cincinnati than than Cleveland. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, okay, well, yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to Elliot. So, Joel, what do you think about <laughs> so, this? So here, here's what I can say about Elliot now. You can hear Elliot every week on the Football, Philosophy, and Rocket Science podcast. Absolutely. The most interesting man in the world. Don't miss it. It is a good time every week. 
And Joel, just again, we'll just, you know, again, Joel is a hardworking guy on our network, too. He's producing multiple shows and has What the Elf Was That show that he comes out every week. And he's had Elliot on as a guest. And they also have this other combo show together. You guys are knocking it out of the park. Really, Browns fans, please spread the word. Pass along. We have some really great content, some great guys contributing. All right, so, so yeah, Smith. <laughs> let's get back to Zadarius Smith. All yeah, right, yeah, so Joel actually knows something about football. So <laughs> let's get back to Zadarius Smith. So I, I think this tells me a couple things. One, I'm I'm really happy with the move, but it also tells me they didn't get who they wanted in the draft. I think they were looking for somebody at defensive end in the draft, and they didn't get who they wanted. Okay. And uh, spoiler for the upcoming "What the Elf Was That" podcast, I've done a lot of film study on the current people on the Browns roster, uh-huh. and I will say with some utter confidence, they need Zadarius Smith at defensive end mm-hmm. or yep. somewhere out there at linebacker, at either edge linebacker or defensive end. They need somebody else. Who do you they, think they were? Who do you think they were going after in the draft? Do you have an idea? I, I, I don't know. I'm not a mind reader, but. I mean, I'll tell you, there's not many teams in college that run a double gap kind of scheme, and the ones that do, their linemen get drafted pretty quick. I mean, you're talking nice. Alabama, you're talking yeah. Georgia, you're talking yeah. teams with really good defenses, and you get a double gap scheme, you really have to have your technique down. And so those those linemen tend to get picked pretty quick. So, I mean, yeah, the, I don't know who they wanted. third round lineman that's available that you would uh, – Selected right. at that level in the mm-hmm. yeah. round. Right, that's a good point. Yeah, a good so, point. So, so back on Zadarius Smith. I mean, it's interesting. He spent most of his career as a stand-up, and I also think yeah. it was interesting that he's one of the few guys that I've ever seen actually flourish in a Mike Patton system, mm. which is weird because I've never seen anybody yeah. flourish in a Mike Patton system. <laughs> so he's uh, he kind of the the stand-up walk around rover kind of guy. So I, I would anticipate that we're going to see lines like we're going to see a multi-scheme like you would see um in new england right where sometimes you're out there in a four three and sometimes you're out there in a three four and sometimes you're legitimately running a four three and sometimes you're legitimately running a a, a three four um zadarius smith fits perfectly as a kind of three four outside linebacker which is what he's been mostly i would i would hope that the browns would take advantage of that scheme diversity that he brings and maybe put Ika and Dalvin Tomlinson on on the field at the same time, maybe along with yep. Jordan Elliott and just take up some space or Miles Garrett playing the other end, the two big fat guys in the middle with Zadarius Smith on the other side, you know, just to kind of put more linebackers on the field. Cause then you could drop Zadarius Smith. If you wanted, you can bring him if you want to give you scheme diversity. So that's what he brings for you. Is it, let me ask you this. Any of you can chime in here. Is it too early you know, every year we're Browns fans. We're Browns contributors. We, we follow the team. We've done this for years, many of us. We see all these things every year. We get excited about various players that come in to the team. At one point, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, um, you know, all these players that we get in the off season, But then things somehow don't pan out. So is it is it um, too early or should we not be so excited because the guy is a veteran. He has had some injuries. He's been around for a bit. He had a really outstanding last year. He had 10 sacks and everything. So, But is it too early or should we temper our emotions? Or is this really legit? Like this really has changed the Browns defense 
and legitimately as Browns fans, we should be anticipating a lot better deal on the, especially on the defensive side of things. Any, Steve, you want to go first or, or Elliot? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I want to jump on that for a number of reasons. One is that um, I think that uh, the uh, the Ica uh, pick is probably the most controversial. But I wanted to echo uh, what the left guard was saying that uh, he brings some diversity that uh, people are not really thinking about at at the present time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we talked about this in uh, our show, Football Philosophy and Rocket Science. But uh, this dude in college played at 358 pounds, mm-hmm. uh, but he took the weight off by the time he went to the combine and he weighed in at 335. There is a big difference, especially at the NFL level, between 358, which namely nobody plays at 358 in the NFL, Mm-hmm. And 335, and I think you know this is a, you know, every draft pick is a risk, but I really like his chances at 335. I think mm-hmm. this could be a really big upset pick that he may be much better mm-hmm. than the the uh, film would indicate. Um, but I also think that he is appropriate size to play in a three-four configuration if you want to play three. Uh, defensive yeah. lineman and so I was very yeah. interested to hear what you had to say Joel uh, that this is a possibility for the Browns if they want to go that way so I think that is uh, you know huge if we wanted to play three four mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know that's uh, you know that's how um, Smith got most of his sacks is mm-hmm. uh, playing as a pass rushing linebacker Uh, And he was just very destructive in that role. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and again, uh, it's not necessarily that, um, first of all, he is really that good. He made the Pro Bowl and he made that for a reason. And and also the Browns really were uh, that bad at rushing the passer last season outside of Miles Garrett. They had a superstar uh, at one end and they had nobody at the three other positions on the line. So there couldn't mm-hmm. be a greater contrast. Mm-hmm. There couldn't be a greater contrast between what the Browns have this season and what they had at three other positions last season. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think right. you, okay. you know, you're going from a number of you know, very low-ranked players to very high-ranked players and backups that are also very high ranked mm-hmm. in one season. This is a really giant. Trend. I really like the one Thornhill pick at safety. I think, you know, we were all high on John Johnson, but one Thornhill to me, I mean, just watching film and, and reading about his, his background and what he's done with the chiefs, obviously, you know, it's a different team. They've Super Bowl champs, but I like having him back there. It gives me some sense of a little bit more confidence that our secondary will be, Hopefully. John Johnson was playing out of position. I love well, John they, Johnson, but true. He, he I got a raw deal from Cleveland because mm-hmm. yeah. he was not playing. You know, he was sort of like Andrew Sandejo, where he was uh, not playing the position that he was capable of playing, and everybody blamed him yeah. for it. And he was really doing the best job that he could uh, to cover the you know, fact that the Browns didn't get – why can't they have a free safety? 
what's wrong with getting a free safety? I don't get it. Why they, they drafted about five strong safeties and they couldn't get a guy to play freaking uh-huh. free safety. We haven't had a free, they haven't had a free safety since I don't know when. Was, was it Felix? Wasn't I, Felix Wright a free safety? Remember Felix Wright? Yeah, probably like 19, <laughs> you know, 1994 was probably the last time we had a free safety. I, I don't know. Yes. They've been having people play out of position since forever. Steve, uh, um, what do you think about what's going on? I mean, are you confident with this defense? I mean, you were pretty excited. Yeah, I am. Um, it starts with Jim Schwartz. So I am very happy. Yeah. Uh, the Smith trade, uh, like Joel said, uh, you can, he, uh, he can, he lines up like, anywhere uh i was watching a little film of him uh this morning mm-hmm. uh he's got a great bull rush move he's got a good swim move he uses his hands very well uh he can come in over a tackle he can come in around uh, i mean over a guard he can come in over uh, around a tackle i this uh it just gives them like joel said a ton of diversity yeah uh, on defense and and you know you got the big uglies up front in uh tomlinson and yeah yeah were teammates last year in minnesota yeah so, so i am completely happy with this move joe i, I mean, mean are this you... guy yeah i know he got hurt week 10 but yeah. he still finished like 18th in the league with uh rush ends uh, yeah so you know guy's good he's a pro bowl yeah you can't go wrong no it's a so, one-year I mean, rental and i'm fine with that i mean so the hype is really i mean it's not too much to be hyped up right joel i mean you you you've you feel that same way I, i'm the damn i'm the debbie downer of the group uh, okay so i now just want to say this i want to say this about the defense it's a new defense players have to learn to play together you can put 11 all-stars on the team but if they play like 11 individual players you're not going to stop anybody so people are going to have to learn to play together you know if miles garrett does a technique he has to understand that the tackle beside him understands what his technique is right. and is going to use the technique based on what he's doing so all it takes is one joker to go off and do whatever they're going to do i mean looking at miles garrett by the way you're going to take one joker to go out there and do whatever they want to do and it's going to create a problem so you're going to have to work that out that's why you're hoping these four preseason games get you play some of these starters get them out there playing together get them used to playing together so i would say curb the enthusiasm you know like i i think it's great i think these are great players but they got to mold into a unit they got to play as one out there right. and that has been the problem with the last defenses you know they got the defensive line doing their thing and then you got like right. linebackers doing their thing it's all disconnected from each other it's all going to be connected but you're also playing against teams that have been playing the same defense for 10 years straight so you've got to have to find a, a molding time, a, a gel time. So if you yeah. come out thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to be the greatest defense ever, then they come out and give up 300 yards rushing, uh, you well, know, you're going to have to. You would have thought we won the world of the Super Bowl last night. I mean, the, the euphoria um, was it was intense, and that's it's great as Browns fans, but many of us in this group have been around the Browns long enough 
for many, many years. And we, we enjoy the hype. We love the hype. We don't hate on the Browns, though some people that follow us think that we do. Um, or me, let's just, I'll just to speak for myself. Only, you, Only me. By the way, Joel, I was talking off air and, and I love Randy, but you know, we were <laughs> on Dog Pond Daily. He, he thinks that I hate Stefanski and I pointed out, and I, we're going to get into the schedule here in just a moment, but, but, <laughs> but I do not hate Stefanski. And I've talked about him positively. I've written several articles you know, in, in his case. Anyway, we'll get into that. By the way, we're going to go ahead and take a break real quick. And we come back from the break, we're going to dive into this Brown schedule. And I want to go around the room and get everybody's take. Uh, where, what some of the highlights of the, the season are, where you think uh, there are issues. And uh, we'll, we'll be right back again. This is the Fanatical Elves Network. We are part of the, this is our Brown schedule breakdown show. We've got the left guard. We've got Bill We've got Steve Gill down there in Nashville. We'll be right back, folks. Stay tuned. We're going to a break. Okay. We're back from that break. Uh, we that was are a there. long break. Wasn't that a long break? <laughs> you know, I always wondered, like, you know, when you, you, back in the day, you guys grew up, like, we would watch those game shows, you know? And it was always funny to me as a kid when you learn that, like, they do the family feud or the price is right. And they'd have all these shows and to find out that they were like recording these shows, like back to back to back. I thought, wow, I never like, what a concept. Like as a kid, you're like, Oh, this is like so cool. You know, they had the show and then to find out that they actually like would record these shows one after the other. That's, you know, anyway, that's kind of like our break. So, okay. So, we're going <laughs> to go into the schedule right now. And the Browns, um, it's an interesting schedule. It's supposed to be the seventh easiest schedule, but yeah. there are a lot of unique things I wrote for uh, Northeastern sports insiders today about some of those unique things and just throwing some things out there first. And then I'll let you guys kind of chime in. The Browns open the season against the Bengals. They end the season against the Bengals. They play all three divisional opponents within the four, first four weeks. They have a Monday night game in week two against the Steelers. I did even share out, I thought it was funny listening to Rod Bloom, who also has a contributor here to Fanatical Elves Network, has his Browns Blitz. He mentioned in his podcast with his brother Jeff the other night about, it was funny because they were recording while the schedule was being released as well. And when he saw that the Pittsburgh game was being a Monday night game down there, he made some offhand comment about, you could take some anybody in the crowd and put them on the field and they'd still beat the steel. They'd still beat the Browns in Pittsburgh. Oh, and, I, and then the guy that was on their show, um, who's a big Jets fan, a big following there in New Jersey. I don't know his name, Alex Cuesto. Uh, um, he said, "Spoken like a true Browns fan." And so, um, but then they have a, a West Coast <laughs> trip uh, where they go out, they play Denver, and then go out to play the Rams. They also have a trip out to Seattle. Which, Joel, I mentioned off the air, and we can get back to this later, but the Browns have only gone out to Seattle three times in the last 30 years, dating back to 93. They've lost all three games. The last time they played them out there was in 2015. Johnny Manziel got him a touchdown throw and a touchdown pass to Gary Barnage, but then um, they floundered and he fumbled. He had an interception. They lost 30-13. to 
the other part of this schedule that I thought was interesting, and we spoke about this the other night on when the schedule came out initially, was that they go out or they have a home game on a Thursday night against the Jets, 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 and Aaron Rodgers after Christmas on a Thursday night, which I just think is stupid, but it's a money-making thing for the NFL. And it's just the dead of winter. It might be 20 degrees out here in Cleveland. So those are some of the things that I have spoken about uh, in writing so far, but just kind of wanted to go around the room. Um, Steve, you want to start off for us? What are your thoughts and have you had a chance to look at some different things and what's your initial take? Well, um, first of all, if we need to curb our enthusiasm, that means we might be pretty, pretty good. But anyway, um, I kind of like the, I'm starting to uh, see what Joel said while we were filming live. I mean, yeah, the first part of the schedule is kind of brutal, but if they take advantage of this, they control their destiny right off the bat. I mean, you're talking, uh, gosh, uh, through week seven, four home games, one bye. Uh, they They take two road trips. For a combined 135 miles, two Pittsburgh and two Indy, mm-hmm. I they can, and you know they get out fast. They control their destiny, mm-hmm. and also the first part of the schedule for the coaching staff should get the attention of the players. They're mm-hmm. going to come in here like Kevin Stefanski said. They are probably, I think he said, they're the only team that plays all their division rivals in the first four weeks of yes. any other NFL team. That's so, because, hold on, hold on. That's because the rest of the division play each other in week five when we're in a break. All right. Like, everybody gets everybody but, by week five. Right, right. But it, it, if uh, this coaching staff can get the attention of their players – with this first part of the schedule. If Joe Woods was still defensive coordinator, I'd be terrified. But Jim Schwartz, I think, will will say, hey, guys, you're starting out against the Bengals and the Steelers. See, this is why I'm excited Uh, about Jim Schwartz the most, because I think that he's a legitimate defensive coordinator. Big key pickup. Big Big. key. But what Joe says, it's going to take time. I know. Mold Luckily, have four preseason games. That's a, that's another good take there too. Yeah, you're right because it is an extra opportunity mm-hmm. to, to to get. Extra so, um, I still don't understand the uh, Thursday night game against the Jets. You go to Houston four days later. You got to come home and play Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. I I, I just Jet? don't Did get you see? That. Did you go look and see who the Jets? Who did the Jets play that Sunday before? Did anybody look? No, I haven't. Okay. They'll probably be on TV, though. I think the Jets are on TV uh, all 16 weeks. I laugh Prime in your time. general direction. <laughs> I'll take a look at it. I'm pulling um, it up right now. Elliot, Elliot what, are your, what are you thinking so far right now, just uh, initially? 
Uh, Steve, did I cut you off? I'm sorry. If you, no, we, I'm okay. good. Elliot, thoughts on the uh, breakdown well, of the schedule? First of all, I I totally disagree with uh, Joel on the level of optimism. Um, but I think it's relative. I'm very, very optimistic, but my idea of optimism means that we might not go 0-17 this season. So I'm very, very optimistic. Um, we laugh, but we, we've been down this road twice. Man, That's why we laugh, because we've been yeah. down this road. It's either that or we're crying. I'm, you know, I'm the only one that's old enough to remember uh, Jim Brown as a player. I'm old enough to remember the Browns as world champions. I, I do. But I'll, tell you something, I'll tell you something else that uh, I'm old enough to remember, and that is the aging process. Uh, I very much doubt whether I remember what it was like to be age 41 and uh, the uh, wonderful New York Jets. The Jets are, uh, you know, they are called the Kim Kardashian of the NFL for a reason. <laughs> And they are playing Washington before they come mm -hmm. <laughs> at Cleveland on Thursday night. And they got a 41-year-old quarterback. And my, yeah. my belief is that, generally speaking, teams with young quarterbacks play better and better as the season progresses. And the teams with old guy quarterbacks play worse and worse. Yeah, see, I don't even think – there's a chance – I mean, there's a legitimate chance that both Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers and half of both teams aren't going to be available to play by week 17 and oh, a third. Watson's not an old guy. Watson will be fine. But I, I would – I would, uh, if I were making a book on these games, I would give Watson a very Have high probability to show for this game. But I think that, that uh, Aaron Rodgers' probability to, to – uh, be able to number one show and number yeah. two have a good game at age 41 with what four days rest it's a good point number the 28th after he's playing on christmas now they finished the season against new england so this is kind of a catch me game for the jets too because they're they're going to be a uh, good point you know I, you know, I, I don't think this is a bad deal for the Browns. I mean, I don't really like the idea of no. Thursday night's football. Have they had a late Thursday night game this far into the season? It seems like no, this Thursday night this is, a week this is, is every year they do this. It's they do it on, okay. I think if the schedule maker had any brains, they would schedule a bye week after a Thursday night game. This is a no-brainer. The NFL should simply extend the season. Everybody would like it if they had a 20-week-long season and just give teams an extra bye week, and they could work Two it in very easily so yeah. that they could have Thursday night games followed by a bye. It's very simple. That's just good... hire me. I'll tell you how to do this stuff, NFL. This is simple. You don't you need to... a rocket scientist to figure this stuff out. Good. You'd have to add. Yeah, listen to Elliot, folks. This You'd is, have to add this a, is a game. Pathetically simple, but anyway, you're We're, Elliot is getting wild up, man. You're, you're pissing Elliot off right now. Come on now. I, well, you know, I'm not a New York Jets. Oh, it's getting upset. The imagination, but this is not going to be easy for Aaron Rodgers to do. You're going to find out just exactly what happens to a 41 year old body 
when you ask it to play four days after a major, you know, the Washington, uh, whatever they're called, the commies or whatever they're called, <laughs> they are going to have a hard time with that team on December the 24th. And then to come back against the Browns on December the 28th is not going to be easy. They are going to find that out. And I, I don't think it's going to be a good experience for the Jets. I would, I would make the Browns be the favorite in that game well in advance. That's just my opinion. The most interesting man in the world, people. Right there. Well, you asked me for my opinion. That's my opinion. There it is. I'm, I'm not going to cry. We appreciate you, Elliot. The December 28th. <laughs> not going to skirt it. I don't. I, I don't it. disagree with you at all. I think yeah, this I think, is I, like. I don't either. I think I'm very optimistic. The Browns are going to go one and sixteen at least. If we if we go into that game winless, I think that we can look to uh, stop the losing streak against the Jets. <laughs> that's that's the criteria. That's the criteria now for what if if we're going into Week One and we're winless, can we beat this team to not go zero and seventeen? That's like the new criteria for for schedules. Well, the, uh, Joel, know, we I, the what losing you, streak uh, wasn't it against the Jets that uh, Baker? Yes, was, it was Week Three. Uh, I mean, it was euphoria mm-hmm. in that stadium. Yeah, I was there in person. It was the greatest. Mom, I mean, it was probably one of the top five highlights of my lifetime as a Browns fan. Oh, you know, the funny thing is, you think wow. like in '86 I was there when they won in that double overtime game when I was a, I was 18, 19 years old, and I'll never forget that. For many Browns fans, that was a, a, a wonderful moment. That Jets game back in 2018 was right up there. I mean, the, what what Baker Mayfield did, and and regardless of what we think about Baker right now. I mean, it was the highlight of a, of a period mm-hmm. of, of time that, I mean, I've spoken very highly of Kevin Stefanski, but speaking of Baker Mayfield, I've been very positive about him over the years too. And what he did for this organization to get them away from that 1-16 and 0-17 and season needs to be credited. And hopefully over time, people will look back at what Baker Mayfield did. And I don't know how I got started talking about Baker, but – but, but I don't that, either. Yeah, that Jets game was really no Jets, man. Yeah, I mean the Jets game that was just craziness. That was just so so much excitement. So, Joel, back to you. I want to go back to Baker Mayfield. I want to talk to you about an article I wrote <laughs> on three years running, and that was the Browns should sign Pac-Man Jones. And Pac-Man Jones, I wrote that thing every single year that the Browns should sign Pac-Man Jones because Pac-Man Jones had an attitude. And that's what the Browns didn't have. And that's what Baker brought to the Browns. Yes, he did. And they've had that attitude since. So if you want to talk about Baker's impact, it's that whole moxie kind of attitude. Now, sometimes it wanes to the whole, like, we're a bunch of jerks and spoiled brats kind of thing, and then you got to deal with those kind of characters. But that's what Baker Mayfield brought to the team that it didn't have before. Anyway, moving on to the schedule. I wish we could have gotten some teams early, like – by the time you roll around to week 16 on the Houston Texans, that's a lot different team than it's going to be in week one when the Ravens are playing them. You know, Good point. They, that's going to be a lot different team. Just like Elliot's saying, you get to week 17 and, uh, and, uh, <clears throat> Brett, I'm going to say Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers is going to be coming out in his wheelchair. They're the same age, so it's easy to, make I mean, that, yeah. it's the same career arc too, right? You leave Green Bay, you go to yeah. New York. I mean, it's just next 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 year we'll be playing for the Vikings. But 
I'd like to have seen the Texans early. I'd like to have seen the Bears early because I think the Bears right. are going to be a different team late. The Jaguars like to have gotten them early, although they they people seem to be high on the Jaguars. I'm not um, because I think I think if you take your defensive line and you come up the middle, blitz linebackers up the middle. Trevor Lawrence just he pulls the Baker Mayfield where like yeah instead of coming up in the pocket he just like escapes. So I'd like to have gotten him before a team before he figures out how to deal with that because I think teams are gonna really push that on that him this year. Um, so yeah, we've got a weaker schedule technically, but you really don't know what that looks like until the end of the season. And some of the teams that are supposed to be the weaker teams, we get later in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm the Debbie Downer today, aren't I? But I am actually excited about this. Like I think this is this is one of the things I think I have problems with with Browns fans. They're so traumatized by like everything that's gone on, right? The move, <laughs> the death penalty. You know, just everything that's happened, Browns have become so traumatized that you see the first challenge and you're like running for the hills crying. Let it go, people. This is an opportunity. The The obstacle is the way. Go go get Ryan Holiday's book. I hate his appropriation of stoicism, but whatever. Go buy his book. The obstacle is the way. You overcome this first four weeks of the season. You are on your way. Let me ask you yep. this. So I'm going to just go around the room. And so I wrote an article with Dog Pound Daily earlier today about the five biggest games on the Browns schedule. I and, read that. And the last two games, well, the, the number one was the Cincinnati Bengals game just because it's week one and also that they end the season. But I, I seriously talked about it, and I know listening to Rod Bloom on the Browns Blitz and his brother Jeff, Jeff actually spoke of – the San Francisco game in week five being potentially the biggest game of the season for the fact that we talked a little bit off air that if they struggle on being Debbie Downer like you, Joel, if they arrive at that game one and three or own four after a bye, 49ers coming across the country, good team, and they get blown out or it's a lopsided game in the second half and they just lose that Stefanski should be having some heat. I mean, like you said, Elliot off there, I mean, all NFL coaches should have some heat on them. But I just, I express my opinion that again, I think Stefanski should legitimately be, you know, concerned just because of not necessarily because he's a bad coach. I think he's a good coach. I really do. But if they get off to that slow start, what are your opinions about Stefanski? Is he safe for the rest of the season? The chances are minute, or do you think that there is a legitimate concern there? Also with the fact that they brought in Jim Schwartz, defensive coordinator, former head coach. So I'd like your opinions on that. Let's start with you, Joel, first. Okay. Kevin Stefanski will not be fired. The Browns will be morons if they fire Kevin Stefanski. I will say it on this podcast. All right. I, I grew up a Bengals fan because that's what my house was. I consciously made a decision to become a Browns fan in 1999. Okay. If they fire Stefanski after week six, I'm just going to go back to being a Bengals fan. That Because to me, that will show that this regime, D and Jimmy, all of them, have no clue what they're doing. Kevin Stefanski is a tremendous coach. He's coached the crap out of backups for the last two years. 
when Baker was basically a backup quarterback playing hurt. You've got Jacoby Brissett had arguably a Pro Bowl career year for him under this tutelage. And I know people like to make fun of the whole Denny's menu thing, but every single head offensive coordinator has a big thing like this. Go pick up Brian Billick's book on how to create a game well, plan for an Joel, offense. I know, I know that. There it is. I'm not saying – I'm not – I'm not pick pulling you out. I'm just saying there are people who come up with a Denny's menu thing. Oh, I do too. I, I legitimately bring it up because it, it, for me, it's more of a joke. But some of the, some people, that some people it, take this seriously. They, they take it seriously, like I'm like it's it's just it's just a rash of ignorance is what I think it is, and I'm not. It's a rash of ignorance. Kevin Stefanski should not be fired. Okay, should not be. He's been the best coach this team has had in. Probably you know, thirty if years. If you're zero four, we'll if, you're in, if you come into that game zero and four, I'm just saying. Let's just say it's zero and four, and okay. then you get blown out by the 49ers. Come on, you've got to be. I mean, I don't care who you are. I mean, they're the front office. I mean, no, they're not idiots. But you go in, you go down zero and five, and you lose to the 49ers at home after a bye. I mean, the fans are. I mean, I know the fans aren't running the team, but for I mean, that's just a bad look. It doesn't feel good. And I know I'm, this isn't I, about feeling good. I'm but- just saying, like, what what do you need more? I mean, it's probably an emotional response on my end, okay? But I have seen good coaching. I have seen bad coaching. We are finally seeing a good coach who has been hamstrung from the start with a quarterback that's not his guy that has finally just now gotten his guy, just now gotten his guy a good chance think. to play. There's no, well, okay, it's his guy because this is the guy he's married to, right? Think of like a yep. team comes in, they take over, they got some guy they inherited. Like okay. they don't want that guy. That's not their guy. Baker Mayfield was never their guy. You think Stefanski, now they're getting their guy? Wait, okay, wait a second. You think Stefanski wanted Watson? Okay, I don't, I don't know this guy's head, but I'm guessing who doesn't want Deshaun Watson? Half the league wanted Deshaun Watson, knowing exactly what he was doing. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So every team that needed a quarterback wanted Deshaun Watson. We're just the ones who got him, and I think we're extremely lucky to have gotten him. And yeah. I think we're putting it together an offense for him. It's going to take time for things to coalesce. You you cannot bring in new defensive coordinator. And in my opinion, we brought in a new offensive coordinator, right, to run the offense. Yeah. You've got to give them a chance to get together. Are they going to win week one? They might. They're going to win week two. They might. They could win all the games. They could win none of the games. That doesn't mean that the coaching staff, you could, people looking for a scapegoat. That's a mental health issue. Stop looking for scapegoats. <laughs> and believe me, we all know Browns fans, including myself. I'll speak for myself. We're all mental cases. So, right, I, I, I'm agreeing completely. Browns fans have some trauma based on what we've gone through with losing our team. They need set up for Joel. failure. And then, and then we've got under this stigma of how are we going to turn this around? So we have it in our minds that like things are crap and we have to fix them. So the, the baseline is everything is crap. As soon as something doesn't go our way, well, that's just because everything's crap. We need to get rid of these people. That's not how football works. Right. Yeah, I know. He's right. Well, we, we, Pay too much attention to Brown's Twitter and and the well, line from Monty, Monty Python and the Holy Grail is, you know, when they left Camelot, it's 
it's such a silly place. And it is. It's ridiculous. I mean, I agree with Joel. I mean, Kevin Stefanski is a damn good coach. He is. I mean, for goodness sakes. I mean, Kobe, Jacoby Brissett had a career year last year, and he's a good career point. backup. I mean, yeah. come on. He's he's got a he's got a top ten quarterback. Finally, he's Steve, got a mean, great offensive line. Yeah. He's got a great running attack. He's got wide receivers, tight ends. He's got everything he can work with. He's going to make this offense in the image of Deshaun Watson. He has mm-hmm. always proven with every quarterback he's worked with, he molds it around the quarterback he has. Mm-hmm. This guy, Deshaun Watson, is a talented individual. So I have I have complete faith in Kevin Stefanski. Let me and just I ask have, you, yeah. Let me just interrupt. Steve, I want to ask you this question, though, because what I'm getting at, what I'm thinking, like, he's a damn good coach. But like Joel yeah. mentioned a little bit earlier, and I agree with you, I'm not – not disagreeing with you. I do think that he's. Oh a damn, no, you hate Kevin Savansky. I think he's a damn good coach. <laughs> what I think, though, is this Fire idea Mayfield. that Joel mentioned earlier, which we talked about about Baker Mayfield and being Browns fans and the mental health issues that we have. That you got a fiery quarterback that comes in, gets the fan base all hyped up. Stefanski is not like that. You, we all could talk about that. So and what? Need, no, well, this is what I'm getting at, though. Is I don't know how to like the point being that when you see him in these post game Stefanski in these post game interviews or in the locker room, he's not your hellish sort of, you know, hell bent, you know, cussing and swearing and acting like one of the players. He's more of a, a diplomat, sort of a scholarly. And he's always been that. If you look at research him, he's always had um, that kind of skill set. He's an excellent coach, excellent player back in his day. When I, play, I think he played at Penn. Um, I guess I'm just saying, thinking, like, he's a damn good coach, but the perception's coming down. Who cares? Well, we you you don't care, but there's a lot of the fan base, and I know the fans don't count, but this is it's like this contrariness between what he is, but he hasn't had a great amount of success. Granted that he's been coaching up backups and – Jacoby Brissett. He was coach of the year his first year. Mm-hmm. Well, but we can talk hey, about that. Coach of the year. 2020 was, a, I would say that's an exceptional. He didn't have Deshaun Watson last season. So okay. That, I think it matters, you know, why, if let's suppose that he is not very successful in 2023. I think it depends on why he's not successful. Like if it's because of injuries or something uh, and he's a few games under 500. I don't think he will be fired for that. If he goes 0-17, uh, if he goes 0-17, yeah. he will <laughs> yeah. be shown the door. I don't. I think there should be a rule, you know, that everybody should understand that as an organization, you're not allowed to go 0-17. That should have been made clear. See now, Jimmy Haslam, that didn't happen, right? That was the that was they kept him on, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was dumb. That that should not have been allowed, and that Sashi Brown should have been told that no you cannot go over 17 and keep your job Hugh you cannot do that either both everybody is gone if you do that I think that should be a rule 
in the organization. Now, mm -hmm. anything uh, uh, that's, uh, you know, one in 16 or better will negotiate. Um, but And it depends on what has happened in order to cause that hypothetical losing season. But I think that's very hypothetical. I don't think that the Browns are going to have that kind of a season. You know, if they had uh, massive injuries to their star players or something and they had a yeah. losing season, I don't think he'll be fired. Uh, I don't think he would deserve to be fired. I think he's a very uh, skilled coach. And um, I, I don't, you know, the, the reason why the fans want to fire him is because supposedly he makes bad play calls, uh, which is just an excuse. The fans have to identify for me what play calls are the wrong play calls and what are the right play calls. And why don't you identify them uh, and, and educate us about what the right play calls are that uh, Kevin Stefanski needs to make? Because uh, I think that uh, this is really just that's what they say about every um, football coach is, oh, he makes bad play calls. And I think uh -huh. that's, that's just a pathetic, uh, it doesn't mean anything. It's and now it's amplified, it's amplified now by social media. Well, yeah. and that's something we it's never had before. didn't score enough points to win the game. That's all right. that means. Let me ask you this final question. We go, I mean, it could be other questions here, but um, – I know some of you don't want to give me a, 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 a record or a prediction, but some like for various reasons, but if you looking at this schedule in general, your thoughts as far as a success, I know it's one game at a time, Steve, you, I thought maybe we could start with you. Um, where do you see this team landing uh, by the time we get to the end of the season or should we be speculating that far out? One and O. Oh. It's good. I, I, I like that. See, this that's is where I just, see, but this is where like that whole one and O oh thing. Like we talked it. Like you talk about twenty twenty, right? The success eleven and five. You heard at least I heard, or maybe the fans don't want to hear it. But we heard a lot of Stefanski talking about one and O. Oh. We heard a lot from the players talking about one and O. Oh. And it seems yeah. like, especially last year and the year before that sort of did it go away or was it still there and the, the it media was still there okay it was, it was still, still there. there it was still there yeah. that's one thing i think stefanski does really well and i think mike Pettin used to say this you can't let one week one loss turn into two losses and that's because people tend to think ahead and make projections like if you're going through this as a player the most important opponent's the one you're studying for the one you're preparing for You'll worry about week two after when week two shows up. You got to worry about the, what's yep. right in front of you. If you start thinking down the road and playing the schedule game as a player, you've already your focus isn't on the week one, which is where it needs yeah. to be. Yeah. You need to be yeah. right focused on week one. So I'm pretty sure we're going to hear a lot of we're on to Cincinnati all the way up through September 11th. Yeah, because then it'll be yeah. we're on to Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. Okay. Elliot, um, assessments of the the season in general. What do you, you mean? Your expectations so far? I heard you're one in. We're at least we'll be one in sixteen, hopefully. Well, <laughs> I, I think the Cleveland Browns need to be focused on one and zero. Oh. I am not the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'm an analyst. I think the Cleveland Browns are going to go zero oh and one. Uh, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are the mm -hmm. toughest team in the AFC. Um, I think, you know, as Joel pointed out, this is a new defense. The team doesn't know how to play it. Um, I think it will be 
a question of um, 11 individuals trying to figure out how to play with each other at first. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be chaos. I will point out that um, when the Cleveland Browns made the playoffs in 2020, they got absolutely clobbered. I think it was by the Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore. They lost like 31 to six or some. Terrible it was score 38 to six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I'm, I'm an optimist and I overstated uh, the uh, case for the Browns. But uh, yeah, no, I think it could be uh, uh, disorganized the first week of the season. I expect that the Browns will improve as the season goes on. Yes. Um, but the first game, I don't necessarily place too much stock in it one way or the other. And uh, I do think that the Browns are going to be very much improved. And I think that the Browns will hold the opponents to lower scores as the season progresses. I think that's mm -hmm. going to be the major okay. difference. And I also expect to see better play from the quarterback position because I think uh, Deshaun Watson had a below average season last year. And I think the that we need to see improved play from him, and I think that we will. Excellent take. Good there job, you guys. Go. Guys, I really appreciate all of you being part of our Brown Schedule Breakdown Show, part of the Fanatical Elves Network. we got a busy week ahead of us. We've got Joel, the left guard. He'll be bringing you what the elf was that, and then he'll follow that up with his, ho his co-host. The most go, interesting man in the world. The smart, that's right, the rocket scientist who once dated a Cincinnati Bengals cheerleader and also helped swing dance with some Cincinnati uh, Bengals cheerleaders. I'd love to hear more about that. Again, thank you. That's a show in itself. That's right. Steve, we appreciate you coming up to us from uh, Nashville again. Steve is uh, looking at starting his own uh, podcast here in the near future as well, part of our Fanatical Elves Network. I, um, your host, John Suchan, have the Johnny Cleveland podcast that we bring to you. Plus, on Sundays, uh, we'll be, again, bringing you any given Sunday uh, kickoff show. That's a show that we're going to be bringing to you most uh, kind of to set the stage for when we get into the season. We'll have a pregame sort of uh, kickoff show prior to Browns games. And so we're doing that now to kind of highlight the, the shows that we just spoke of. We also have the Browns Blitz coming to you with Rod Bloom out there in Dayton as well. Joel and Elliot and Rod are all from the Dayton area. So that's kind of a unique thing about uh, these Browns fans. And uh, just love having these guys. I hope you, uh, if you're a Browns fan, you're listening to us or you're watching this on YouTube, please spread the word about the Fanatical Elves Network. Uh, just some great content, some great things that we're talking about here. And we're just like you guys. We're Browns fans. We, we shoot the breeze. And, uh, you know, we, we love being there at the games, walking down 9th Street, walking down 3rd Street, going, here we go, Brownies. Here we go. So, you know, we're, we're here with you. So appreciate your time, folks. I hope everybody has a good uh, evening. We're going to be uh, posting this here shortly. And, uh Tune in this week to our Fanatical Elves Network. Boys, thanks again. Take care, and we're going to leave you with some parting music. You can start dancing.